What's going on, everybody? Welcome to the Oasis Podcast. Oasis is the college and young adult ministry at Park West Church in Knoxville, Tennessee. Come hang out with us if you're ever in the area on a Thursday night. We'd love to meet you face to face. If you don't already, make sure you follow us on social media at Oasis PWC to stay updated with everything going on here with the Oasis family. Thank you so much for joining us for this week's message. Let's jump in. Caleb asked me to preach. A couple months ago, he actually asked me to preach. And a couple weeks before that, God told me to read the book of Colossians. And then when Caleb asked me to preach, I said, oh, now I know why, God, you asked me to read Colossians. Because it goes perfectly with this Reset Sermon series that we've been doing. And as we just gear up for the, the new school year, it's good to get set on the things of heaven, right? It's good to get set on the mind of Christ. And this, I feel in my spirit very strongly for our group, and it fits perfectly. So this is a God-breathed word, and I hope that you are encouraged by it, just as I was when God was giving me this outpouring of knowledge as I was reading this book so I'm going to speak from Colossians, and I'm going to start out with the scripture, Colossians 2.8, because I feel that it perfectly embodies what I'm going to be speaking on tonight. It's don't let anyone capture you with empty philosophies and high-sounding nonsense that come from human thinking and from the spiritual powers of the world rather than from Christ. Wow. Thank you, Dylan. Yes, that is a word for our generation if I've ever seen it. My sermon title tonight is... Don't dilute the truth. Don't dilute the truth. Let's go ahead and pray before we begin. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you so much for this wonderful group of people. God, thank you for allowing us to meet in your presence. Thank you for the freedom that we have here. Thank you just for being God, for being amazing. God, this is about you. And as we gear up for this next semester, whether it be our first semester of college or our last or we're not even in school, I pray that you would help us reset. Like Caleb talked about a few weeks ago, sometimes a phone needs to be reset in order to work properly. So God, right now we give you everything we have. We, we just ask that you would come in and reorganize, that you would set our minds on you that you would help us, God, repent in areas where we need to repent, and God, that we would get a deeper knowledge and understanding of you tonight, that we would glean from your wisdom, God, that we would learn. We love you, we uplift you, God, we adore you, and we receive the love that you have for us. God, bless me to speak your words and not mine. Anoint hearts and minds and ears to see and hear what you are doing tonight, Jesus. In your mighty name we pray, amen. Amen. Okay, so preaching is one of my absolute favorite things in the world. If you can't tell, I'm a bit of a people person. I've preached a few times here. I've preached a few times at other churches. I love it. However, I didn't, I've not been the best communicator as a child. Does anyone know those children that just, they say everything they're thinking? Yeah, I still am that way a little bit. I'm a grown-up, so I have a filter. But, <laughs> but as a child, I was one of those annoying children that just everything my parents said, I would just speak it, right? In first grade, I got in trouble for cursing because I said hell a lot. I talked about hell. 
being real. I talked about heaven and hell. I got in trouble for telling kids Santa's not real. Um, they would go home crying to their mom, saying that I said Santa's not real. I'm like, your parents are lying to you. I'm so sorry to tell you, but they're lying to you. <sighs> then in fast forward to fifth grade, a parent actually came to the school and said, why did you tell my daughter that demons are real? And I said, because they are. <laughs> they are real. I'm going to tell the truth, right? But thank God he redeemed me from my issues. And he still allowed me to be an evangelist in high school. He told me to go to West High School to be an evangelist. And that's just the calling that God has on my life. I hope that you know the calling God has for you because once you discover it, it's amazing. But he, he wanted me to evangelize to people that didn't know him. And I had to love people through some stuff for a while, and I got to see so many people saved, thank God. My sister actually came with me to West High School um, the year after I graduated, right? Can't remember that far back. Two years ago. Can't remember that far back. Um, <laughs> she came with me to West High School and wanted to be a minister there as well. And we discovered one day that we had been having the same recurring dreams for a couple years and one day I just said, I, mean, I, had, I had this dream that we were at West and there was a big auditorium full of people worshiping. And she said, I've been having that dream too. And I said, really? She said, yeah. And this person was there, this person was there, this person was there. I said, they were there in my dream too. So we discovered maybe God's telling us to have a worship service at our school. And I was graduated, but thankfully, thank you, Ava, for letting me be a part of it. I, I love you. She asked our, uh, the Oasis worship team to lead worship for it, and she preached. And I was so excited. I got up there. A lot of students, a lot of teachers and janitors just came in because they were like, what's going on in here? And they came in, and they were crying. It was amazing, right? I'm, I'm leading worship. I'm so excited. I get off the platform. I go to the back of the room, and I'm like, my little sister's about to preach. I'm so nervous. This has been a dream of ours for a long time. Let's see what she's going to say. She came up to the podium, <laughs> she opened her Bible. It just, I, I asked her if I could share this, and she said, Jesus died for your sins, <laughs> and she read the gospel. And she read one of the gospels, I don't know which one it was, but it was the gospel, right? She read the gospel of Christ, and she just said, Jesus loves you, he died for you, and if you want to accept him as your savior and have eternal life and be welcome in the family, this is your night. She closed the Bible. She walked off the platform. And I was in the back and I, I go, oh my gosh, what do I do for altar call? I said, you just said Jesus died. Where, where, where was the sermon where, title? Where was the, where was the fluff? Where was the... I don't know, the deep revelation that we always look for in a sermon. And I go up there and I'm like, what song do we even sing? Like, Jesus died. And what, what do I sing after that? Like, what do I, she just dropped a ball of knowledge and I'm gonna come up here. We sang Holy Ground. And I don't think I opened my eyes until halfway through the song because I was so nervous, right? She just spoke direct truth at a group full of unsaved people. And I stood up there and I was just like, holy ground, singing holy ground, however that song goes. And halfway through, I opened my eyes and I kid you not, 
every student is down there in the altar. They're crying. I mean, tears just flowing. After the service, I walked down and I talked to a couple of them. I prayed for a couple of them. And I heard a young lady say, when I walked in, I thought this was like Young Life. And then I was like, whoa, this is not like Young Life. No, nothing against Young Life. I'm just saying, this is something I heard from one of them. Another young lady said something that I will never forget in my life. She said, I've never heard the gospel that way. And I said, you mean the, the, the way it's written in the Bible? <laughs> just the gospel? And I go home, and I'm, I'm happy, I'm thankful, I'm grateful, I'm blessed. I'm like, God, you did amazing stuff tonight. But I'm confused. They've never heard, they've never heard that before? And he said, it's because they're used to a diluted version of the truth. They're so used to pastors preaching fluff and Christians at school not living out that fluff even. So there have been times in my life when I valued truth a little too much and telling people Santa's not real is not the move, just so you know. But I've struggled to find the balance because truth without love is not effective, right? Santa's not real, I'm gonna cry about that. You know, that's not very nice. But love without truth is not really love because you're loving someone straight to hell. There I go cussing again, gosh. So I've struggled to find this balance, right? And this is not a new problem. The church has been dealing with this balance of truth for a long time, and they're still dealing with it today. We have churches that say, hey, whatever you wanna believe, you're welcome here. You believe that Jesus is not the only way, that's fine. I mean, we're a, a church that just, if you love God, you're welcome here. If you believe that chair is a couch, by golly, it's a couch. Your truth is the truth, right? That's a new thing. I'm, I'm like, what? Oh, what are we doing? But then there's other churches on the other side. If you're not wearing the right thing, you're not welcome in. And if, you're full, if your hair's not touching the floor, you're not going to heaven. That's kind of going away now, but you know what I'm saying. This has been a problem for a long time, and that's why I'm talking about Colossians, because get this, the background of the Colossian church the Colossian church was a result of Paul's ministry in Ephesus, and he ministered to a man named Epaphras, or Apophras. I never got to ask him how he pronounces it. He, it was a long time ago. But he ministered to a man that, named Apophras that started a church in Colossae. And during Paul's imprisonment, Apophras wrote a letter to Paul saying, hey Paul, there is a false teaching rising up against our church, and I don't know how to speak against it. I don't know how to speak truth right now. It was a blend of Jewish legalism, paganism, and Christianity, Gnosticism. And the teaching was that Jesus was not sufficient. Jesus had no spiritual authority. And that he was just a semi-divine being that connected God and the world. However, enlightened believers could obtain spiritual fullness by self-discipline and righteousness. In other words, as long as you said and did the right things, you'd be okay. Does that sound familiar? Sounds a bit like our world, huh? 
Now, this, this, this is a little bit of a harsh statement, so please don't be offended. You may be thinking that this could apply to legalistic people who are looking to fulfill laws to get to heaven. But this is equally, if not more, speaking to the person who just believes that being a good person gets you to heaven. Because both of these mindsets exclude Jesus. Whether you're over here thinking that the laws are going to get you to heaven, and you got people that are so focused on grace over here, no, you just got to love people to get to heaven. Guess what? Both of those are earn-it mentalities, and both of those exclude Jesus. It's possible that we're just two different types of legalism here. So before you pick up your judgmental mouth and start saying, hey, you're legalistic, you might want to make sure that you're not excluding Jesus from the picture. I want to read you something that comes from the personal application section of my Bible. And this is, this is relating the background of the Colossian church to what we are dealing with in our culture today. So keep that in mind. Because this is an age of religious pluralism and syncretism, that is, a diluting of the truth for the sake of unity, Christ's lordship is deemed irrelevant by many religious groups that believe one religion is as good as the other. His preeminence is denied by others that place the Christian stamp upon a fusion of beliefs from several religions. Usually hailed as an advance beyond apostolic Christianity, this blend promises self-fulfillment and freedom without surrender to Christ. Jesus is Lord is the church's earliest confession. It remains the abiding test of authentic Christianity. Neither the church nor the individual believer can afford to compromise Christ's deity. In his sovereignty lies sufficiency. He will be Lord of everything or not Lord at all. Say, don't dilute the truth, right? We cannot afford to dilute the truth. People are hungry for truth, in case you were wondering. That's why all those kids came down to the altar, and they were crying, and I'm going, have you never heard about Jesus before? That's why we have real people, real life, real Jesus on our logo, because people want real. They've heard the fluff, right? But you might say, oh, but what about those people on social media that you know, not all of them, not every influencer is, is bad, right? But some influencers, they just speak deception and they get millions of followers. And you may be going, but what? They're speaking fluff and I'm speaking truth and they have a million followers. What's up with that? Well, that's counterfeit. This is the earth where there's flesh. That's counterfeit. You can't measure your influence based on your popularity. Because the greatest of these here are least in the kingdom. And the least on earth are greatest in the kingdom. You want to be the greatest? Spend some time with that church mama on the pew who's praying for you. That's the real influencer in your life. It's the woman in her prayer closet shaping arrows for the kingdom. We graze right over that scripture about an arrow in the hands of a mighty warrior is, is a threat to the enemy and... The mighty warrior is of an important role in that. Without them, 
we wouldn't have anything against. We are fighting with spiritual principalities. So don't you dare get caught up on the success of the world and judge your influence on popularity because what's popular here is not doing anything for the kingdom of heaven. So those are the real influencers. And there are some good Christian influencers. Don't get me wrong. I'm not hating on people for being successful. You should be successful. Way to go. That's awesome. But it's the people who are speaking in tongues over their city, not speaking fluff on their Instagram, who are really changing lives. What am I saying? Colossians 2.8. Don't let anyone capture you with empty philosophies and high-sounding nonsense that come from human thinking and from spiritual powers of the world rather than from Christ. It may sound nice, but is it true? It may tickle your ears, but is it truth? I think it was Paul that said, don't tell them what their itching ears want to hear. Speak the truth. So let's get into the nitty-gritty. What's the best way? <laughs> you, only some of you will get that reference. What's the best way to get better at fighting for truth? If you're a note taker, you want to write this down. Number one is don't compromise. There's a difference between befriending an unbeliever and compromising your beliefs and your identity for that believer. Okay? Don't compromise your identity in the presence of expectation. Because I promise you, people will expect you to be lenient with your morals. People will expect you to say, hey, whatever floats your boat, whatever toots your horn, just be a good person, you'll go to heaven. It's fine, it's fine. No. Don't compromise. 1 Corinthians 9, 21 through 22 Paul says, when I am with the Gentiles who do not follow the Jewish law, I too live apart from Jewish law so I can bring them to Christ. But I do not ignore the law of God. I obey the law of Christ. When I am with those who are weak, I share their weakness, for I want to bring the weak to Christ. Yes, I try to find common ground with everyone, doing everything I can to save some. The key here is, but I do not ignore the law of Christ. We can't look at this scripture and say, oh, well, he lives Jewish when he's with them, so if I'm ministering to sinners, I can come over here and sin, right? No. He did not forsake the law of Christ. What is he doing here? He's getting on their level. He's relating. I heard a, a preacher recently say, your greatest witness will be your withness. If you live with people, do life with people, that's a bigger testimony than preaching at them. And this is what Paul's saying. He's not giving you permission to go over here and validate them. Let, I'm not going to try to step on any toes, but I think some Christians have mastered the art of, of posting something and saying to their Christian friends that, oh, I'm just trying to validate that person and make sure they know they're loved. But they're totally fine with that sinful person thinking that they agree with them. They just want to make everybody happy. So you're going to tell these sinful people, I support you. That sounds like you agree with them, right? And you're going to go tell these Christian friends, well, I just posted that because no one's loving on them right now. Yeah, you've mastered the art. And that is not, that's not truth. It's okay to support people, but you're not going to let your kids believe Santa's real forever, right? 
Don't compromise your identity in the presence of expectation. That's the first way you can get better at telling the truth. Focus on that. Number two, put your mind on things above. I cannot stress this enough. Colossians 3, 1 through 2 says, If then you were raised with Christ, seek those things where Christ is sitting at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above, not on things of the earth, for you died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ who is our life appears, then you will appear with him in glory also. For you died. No one's gonna clap about that. <laughs> for you died, right? Sometimes we forget that in order to share in his glory, we gotta share in his suffering. I'm not saying that putting your mind on things above is suffering and torture, but I am saying that this generation has fallen into a trap that, hey, do whatever you feel like. If you wake up and you wanna be a turtle, you're a turtle today. If you wake up and you don't wanna read your Bible, you don't have to because if you did it, that would be religious, that would be legalistic. Oh my, what? Guys, don't let your laziness be justified by a fear of legalism. Wow. And I, I, you should write that down if that hits you because you might forget it when you wake up tomorrow and you don't wanna read your Bible. But don't you dare let your laziness be justified by a fear of legalism. You're not fooling God. You cannot operate in the world, but expect to have a heavenly mindset. So how do you start reading the Bible? You don't wait to feel like it. Here's what you do. Your hunger will be a consequence of what you're feeding yourself. When you read the Bible, you start to form a dependence on that Bible. This is not true for food. I just finished Whole30, and I can honestly say, I'm not hungry for anything I just fed myself for the past month. I don't think I'll ever want it again. But spiritually, when you feed yourself the word of Christ, the word of God, the truth, it becomes your bread, your sustenance. It becomes everything that you rely and depend on. You begin to acquire a taste and a craving for that word, and you cannot live apart from it. And what happens when you can't live apart from the word? the word will flow out of you. Whatever you feed yourself will flow out of you. That's why you have to put your mind on things above in order to tell the truth to everybody. Your ministry becomes empty the moment that it becomes about you. Does it come from a place of consecration or a place of performance? Because you can't do something out of a pretend love for very long. I once dated a mechanics nerd for like two days. You remember that? Oh my gosh. There's nothing wrong with mechanics nerds. I'm so sorry if you are one. They're great. I'm just not one. So I pretended, I was like, yeah, I know exactly what you're talking about. I wasn't going home and watching videos about dirt bikes. I wasn't going home and watching, I mean, who was I kidding? Guess what, that relationship didn't last because I was like, I can't pretend. I'm not feeding myself this mechanic stuff. 
I'm not gonna pretend like we're a match made in heaven. Dude, I don't know what you're talking about. There's nothing wrong with couples that do different things. There's nothing wrong with that. But the point I'm trying to make is it, it won't last, the fire won't last. Because if you're doing something from a pretend love, you're not doing good for anybody. Everybody is called to be an evangelist and kingdom-minded. If you're sitting here and you're thinking, well, I'm not a minister, so I'll just snooze on this part of the sermon. Oh, buddy. This verse does not say, if you're a minister, put your mind on things above. This verse, the verse about going into the world and, and preaching to the world the good news, it doesn't say, if you're a minister, go and spread the good news. It, it doesn't, I'm sorry. It says, go and spread the good news. Because the Lord expects that if you're feeding yourself his word, your heart's going to break for the lost. So you may be thinking, oh, that's for you, Livy. Guess what? It is. But my job's the easy one. Because I get to speak truth to a room full of people who came to hear it. You guys are going out to hair salons and hospitals and public schools and wherever you work, Starbucks. And you're going to have to speak truth in places people didn't come to hear it. And so am I, but if you think that you're exempt from hiding the word in your heart, you're missing out on what could be the best, most fulfilling part of your life. If you're, if you're feeding yourself his word, your heart's going to begin to reflect his heart. In other words, when you're being chased by a lion, right? Caleb's illustration before. When you're being chased by a lion... Your body, it goes into survival mode. If you needed to pee, guess what? It's not going to come out because you're going to be running for your life. Or maybe it will come out. If you, if you were hungry before, your body's going to suppress that. You're going into survival mode, right? Your body's going to go, nope, there's, I'm about to die, right? I felt that way this past few weeks. And your body will just go into fight mode. It'll survive, right? Well, just like fear promotes a physical response, consecration to God causes a spiritual response. So just like your body's gonna forget that you're hungry in order to get away from the lion, your priority when you consecrate yourself to God, it's gonna shift from protecting your image to protecting their life and their eternity. You're not gonna care what they think about you. Some of you don't care now with COVID. You want to say your opinion. But you're not doing that when it comes to their spiritual life. This is the last point. Don't forsake the name of Jesus. Probably the most important thing I'm going to say tonight. If you're going to speak the truth, do not forsake the name of Jesus. John 14, 6, Jesus told him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. I think I'll read that again because we don't think about that enough. Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. I cannot tell you how many TV shows, movies, news articles I've seen where Christians and pastors use the word God and take out the name Jesus. They say it scares people off. God is more accepted and more universal. 
everyone has a God, but Jesus is a little too much. It scares people off. You know what? It does scare people, and that's exactly why you should say it. Because when you say the name of Jesus, their flesh may be fighting the truth, but your spirit, their spirit will recognize this is the real deal. The spirit inside of people recognizes their creator, they recognize Jesus. And you wanna shake someone's core, you wanna begin to change someone's life, speak the name of Jesus. I had a friend in high school, I mentioned earlier, God told me to go to West High School to be an evangelist, and before I walked in on my first day, I prayed a prayer that I thought was really nonchalant and cute. It ended up changing my whole life. I've said, God, just let me see people the way that you do. Really cute, right? I wasn't prepared for the amount of love I was gonna have for people. And I'm gonna cry now. I am so, I have problems, guys. I love people so much. Ask any of my family. I have mental breakdowns about how much I love people. I walked into the school and I saw a complete stranger walking down the hallway and I burst into tears. I saw her and I heard a little guitar riff in my head and I knew it was from a song that I've heard before but I was like, I don't know what song that is. It's not one that I've listened to in forever but I heard a riff in my head and I burst into tears. Turns out she was in two or three of my classes so I decided to talk to her. I was like, hi, you know, what's your name? I'm Libby, blah, blah, blah. The first thing she says to me is, are you a Christian? And I said, yeah, <laughs> you know, that blunt kid, yes, I am. She said, I don't know if we can be friends. She said, I will never go to another church again. And then there came the tears again. I went home and for two years I prayed for her. I was her friend for those two years and I talked to her about Jesus as if he was a guy that attended our school. I was like, so Jesus said this to me the other day. And she was just like getting used to it. You know, she got used to it. But eventually I had a moment where I was in the choir room at our school and I began to play on the piano and that song came to me, and I remembered it out of nowhere, and I started playing it. It was the song, I Surrender, by Hillsong. And I started playing, I surrender, I wanna know you, Lord. She walked into the room at the same moment, and she sat on the piano next to me, sat on the piano, on the piano bench. That'd be really funny. <laughs> Anyways. She sat on the bench, and I was just playing, and I was worshiping, and she's sitting there, and I just see her go. She starts shaking. I look over, her mouth is like chattering. I'm like, is this chick speaking in tongues? Like, you're agnostic. <laughs> oh my gosh. I'm like, what's going on? And she's just like, I don't know, my mouth is tingling, and I, I just need to get up and leave. And she left. And Jesus told me, and I think my mom told me, she said, I know exactly why that happened. Jesus speaks to me through my mom, mostly. <laughs> my mom said her flesh was at war with her spirit because her flesh is fighting the truth that she knows to be Jesus Christ. That's why when she hears the name Jesus, her spirit's like, I wanna surrender. I need to surrender. And her flesh is like, no. I will not be caught dead calling myself a Christian. She literally said that. 
A year later, she gave her, her life to Christ. So praise God for that. But that's just an example about how the name of Jesus can shake someone's life. There's an evangelist um, who every time he preaches, he shares the same story, which I would too because it's a good story. But he shares this story of how he was asked to pray for a presidential election. I believe it was a presidential election, right? Yeah, I think it was. Um, and they said, you can pray anything you want. Just don't, pray, don't say the name of Jesus in your prayer. And he said, okay. <laughs> and he always tells it like this. He said, I got up there and I prayed. And at the very end of the prayer, I looked straight into that camera and I said, in the name of Jesus, amen. And he got off the platform. I don't think they ever invited him back to do anything. But he said the name of Jesus. Why did I say that story just now? Because people openly ask you not to say the name of Jesus because they know it, it's gonna shake people. Because this is an age of religious pluralism and syncretism, a diluting of the truth for the sake of unity, Christ's lordship is deemed irrelevant by many religious groups that believe one religion is as good as the other. His preeminence is denied others that place the Christian stamp upon a fusion of beliefs from several religions. I want to ask everybody to stand real quick and just keep your eyes closed in this moment. Jesus' name has been compromised. It's been blasphemed. It's been taken out of prayers. It's been completely forgotten among many churches and, and people that once called themselves Christians. If we want to see revival, if we want to see people saved, if we want to see our depression go away, we cannot afford to dilute the truth. We cannot afford to dilute it when we're ministering, and we for sure cannot afford to dilute it in our own lives. If there's something that the Lord, this is not in my notes, but if there's something that the Lord is calling you to quit doing, tonight's the night. I know you don't like those messages, but if there's an area of your life where you're compromising your morals, maybe your beliefs, you're compromising your behaviors, God is calling you to put your mind on things above. And for the other half of the room that maybe says, I'm good with God, but I don't know. I don't know how to say Jesus is Lord and, and feel confident. I, I don't know how to tell my friends that what they're doing is sinful. I mean, I, I told them about Jesus, but I don't know how to go a step further. You know, Matthew 28, 20 says, teach them to obey my commands. It doesn't say teach them my commands. It says teach them to obey my commands. And I will be with you always until the end of the age.
Jesus said that because he knows it's lonely to speak truth. It's hard to partner in suffering. He had 12 followers. He had a lot of haters. And some of you may be saying, you know what? I'm not the pushy type. I don't like to push my beliefs on people. I don't like to tell them what to do. Well, may I ask you this? If there was somebody laying in the street, dying, and you had this bottle of medicine that you knew for a fact would cure them right away, would you walk past them and not offer it? Probably not. Let's take it a step further. If you were to offer it and they said, no thanks, would you simply walk away? Or would you say, no, let me show you what it can do. Let me tell you what it did for me, for this person, for that person. Please, I wanna help you. You're not gonna stand there and preach at them. You're gonna try to help them. You're gonna let your love be the thing that they hear. Truth and love. So don't use your fear to justify being ignorant because it's not worth it. Ignorance may be bliss, but Jesus did not call us to bliss. I just wanna invite you guys, if you need a time to reset tonight, if you're saying, God, I don't want to walk by dying people every day completely unbothered. I'm ready to put my mind on the kingdom. If that's you, would you just lift your hands where you are? You may already be doing that, but if you just want to be in the will of God and to follow everything that he has for your life, he may not be calling you to become an evangelist and, and travel the world, but maybe you feel this pull saying, God, I, I care. I don't want to leave my college in a year or two and realize that half of those people I'm just never going to see again because they're not going to heaven. Because I was more worried about what I look like than their, than their life and their future. If that's you, I just want you to pray right now to God and just begin to ask Him to give you the wisdom, the knowledge, and understanding of how to reach the people that are dying, reach the people around you that are struggling, that are suffering, that are not gonna know the depths of the love of Jesus. And maybe some of you in here are going, I don't even know that I would be able to minister to myself. I'm broken right now. I don't even know the last time Jesus did something where I could actually say, yeah, there's proof right there. Maybe you're in here and you're lost and you're saying, I don't know how I would defend my faith because I'm struggling with it. I'm struggling to even want to live right now. I'm struggling to even know how to get up. I want you to know that Jesus is here for you too. He's here to help you. You're the most important person to him, not what you can do for him. not your performance, just your relationship with him, your love. 
So feel free to come down here and pray. I'm gonna have prayer team members come down right now, actually. If you're somebody who needs prayer in either, either of these two areas, whether you need to, to feel the love of Jesus and be confident in your own truth, or you need to know how to be more aware of the kingdom around you, I want you to feel free to come down and receive prayer. Maybe you wanna come down and kneel and pray by yourself. I want you to have a conversation with Jesus right now. I, if you have to, picture him sitting right in front of you. That's how real he is. So as I pray, God, I just thank you for who you are, for the magnificent promise of life that you've given us, God. It's too good not to share. It's too good not to be honest about. God, it's too good to, to hoard it to ourselves and to believe it, but then to not share it with anybody else. And God, it is for sure too good for someone to walk into this room and still not be sure of it. God, I ask that you would knock on doors of hearts tonight, Jesus, that you would prod and pry, that you would get in every nook and cranny that we've hidden from you. Jesus is coming into every room of your house tonight. There may be a room that you hid stuff in that you said, I can come back to that if Jesus doesn't work out. Well, it's time to throw that away because I sense that he is calling you to a deeper level of relationship where you are confident in everything that you believe, that you are hungry for everything that you believe to the point where it oozes out of you when you walk into a room where a girl might ask, are you Christian? I need to know because it's all over you. I just pray that the oil of God would drench Oasis right now I pray that the oil of God would overflow from Oasis Young Adults, from Park West Church as a whole. God, I pray that young and old would unite for truth. I pray that every generation would begin to link arms together in this fight for truth and contending for the faith, God, and contending for our, our, the culture. God, that we would not grow weary, that we would not compromise our identity in the presence of the expectations of this culture around us. God, that we would know exactly who we are and who you say we are and who we're supposed to be. Jesus, that we would not lose sight, but we would have this reset, Jesus. The things that used to bother us would grow dim in Jesus' name. As we fix our eyes on you, our hearts and our minds on you, the things of earth grow strangely dim. Oh, the things that used to distract us, the things that would mock us, torment us, the fear that would come at us every day and every night, it's completely worthless when we are focused on your kingdom. God, I just pray a kingdom mindset over every individual in the room that you would awaken people that have a calling to preach calling to evangelize that you would awaken people that have a calling to just love well a calling to serve their families a calling to raise godly arrows of children I call up the moms and the dads in this room 
to get serious about your prayer in your closet, that prayer that's going to shape your arrows that are gonna fire right at the enemy, that influence. I'm talking to you right now, you're the greatest in the kingdom. You're the greatest in the kingdom. You are doing a noble work. And don't you dare for a second think less of yourself because you're not doing what other people are doing on their platforms. May our platforms become an altar, Jesus. May our platforms become an altar. May they get smaller and smaller until you're the only thing on it. Jesus, that it would be about you and not about anybody else. God, we just glorify you tonight and we take some time to speak right to you, Jesus. God, I pray that you'd speak to people right now. Call them forth, reignite in their hearts, Jesus. Jesus.